Do you dream of wearing a hoodie or t-shirt bearing the intricate and mysterious design of a Han Dynasty bronze mirror? Or featuring one of our seasonal logos like the Dogu or Kofun Tomb? Make that dream come true at the podcast's official merch store, found at ahistoryofjapan.threadless.com. Hello, and welcome to A History of Japan. Season 5, Episode 8, The Rise of the Fujiwara. If you've listened to previous seasons of this podcast, you should be quite familiar by now with the name Fujiwara. Members of this august clan have been chancellors and ministers, wives and mothers of emperors, plotters and schemers, and occasionally outcast rebels. The Nara period had been a razor's edge for prosperity or peril for the various members of the house of Fujiwara, and clan members worked against one another as often as they tried to edge out potential competition from fellow Kuge clans. You may recall that the Fujiwara clan boasted four branches, each descended from a different brother among the sons of Fujiwara Fuhito. While various members of the Fujiwara rose to impressive heights in the Nara period, the Heian period would see their greatest and most sustained rise within the halls of power ever. Emperor Saga was weary of being the Tenno and wanted to resign. Sadaijin Fujiwara Otsugu objected strongly, citing the great expense already incurred by the retired Emperor Heisei, which would now be doubled with two Daijo Tenno receiving their pensions. Emperor Saga did not care. In 823, he abdicated, and his younger brother, Crown Prince Otomo, took the throne in his place. He is remembered as Emperor Junna. The name Otomo may have given you pause just now, and for good reason. Otomo, in addition to being the new emperor's name before he was enthroned, was also the name of a powerful Kuge clan. The Otomo clan noticed this similarity as well, and proclaimed that they were changing the clan's name out of respect for the emperor. From this point forward, they were known instead as the Tomo clan. Retired Emperor Saga, meanwhile, seems not to have cared even a little bit about Fujiwara Otsugu's concern for the imperial coffers. It was bad enough he was drawing a retired emperor's pension. He also announced plans to expand on his palaces with new construction funded from the treasury. I think it is safe to surmise that the many times the court under Saga Tenno had tried to rein in expenses that it was the Fujiwara and other practical Kuge clans leading the charge, and not the emperor himself. Fujiwara Otsugu had a reputation as an economically-minded Kuge, from his time serving Kamuten no, whom he had advised to halt construction on Heian-kyo and end the war with the Eimishi, both primarily as resource-saving measures that would allow the court to build up its reserves. His fiscal wisdom seems to have had almost no effect on Emperor Saga, but he soon found Emperor Junna a valuable ally. According to the Nihon Koki, one of the sources we have for the history of the early Heian period, Prince Otomo asked to be removed from the succession when his father, Emperor Kamu, passed away in 806. 
His reluctance fell on unfeeling ears, however, as he was kept in place in the succession order. When he took the throne as Emperor Junna, his nephew Prince Masara, the son of Emperor Saga, was made crown prince. Two years later, when his own son, Prince Tsunetsada, was born, he was placed in the succession order to become crown prince once his cousin Prince Masara was on the throne. You might think that this orderly succession would have given Emperor Junna some comfort and ease his reluctance, but it actually made his stress much worse. He was only on the throne because of the influence and support of retired Emperor Saga. His son had no real support among the nobles, largely owing to the fact that he was a child for all of Junna Tenno's reign. Nonetheless, Emperor Junna had a job to do, and he seems to have thrown himself into it. He listened to Fujiwara Otsugu's advice about government expenditures and income, and actively recruited capable people into key positions at court. In particular, the noble scholar Kiyohara Natsuno proved an invaluable ally, and his knowledge of economics and politics helped the emperor guide the government into, well, not exactly solvency, but something very close to it. Emperor Junna also worked to reform the tax system in an effort to increase revenues, but the actual results from this appear to have been marginal. Nevertheless, we should give him credit for trying. Junna Tenno reigned for ten years, and by all appearances, those ten years were peaceful and, by Heian standards, prosperous. He retired in 833, and his nephew, Crown Prince Masara, took the throne. He is remembered as Emperor Nimyo. Nimyo Tenno's empress was Fujiwara Junshi, daughter of Fujiwara Fuyutsugu. The emperor had lived in Fuyutsugu's household, as it was the custom among nobility to live in the house of the wife's family. Fuyutsugu was an ambitious member of the Hokke branch of the Fujiwara clan, who had a reputation for being calm, generous, and diplomatic. He was a veteran Kuge whose court career began with Emperor Heisei, and he had managed a steady climb to higher positions during the reign of Saga Tenno and Junna Tenno. He funded the construction of a new hall at Kofukuji, one of the Fujiwara's sponsored temples in the old capital, as well as Kangaku-in, a dorm at the Imperial University especially built for students from the Fujiwara clan. Through these and other measures, Fujiwara Fuyutsugu began to bring the other branches of the Fujiwara clan under the leadership of the Hokke branch. This brings us to Emperor Nimyo's heir, Crown Prince Tsunisada. Retired Emperor Junna continued to worry for his son's future coronation, as the prince did not seem particularly inclined toward political affairs and preferred creative pursuits instead. He is reported to have shared his father's reluctance about becoming entangled in a power struggle and petitioned the court several times requesting to be removed from succession. Retired Emperor Saga, however, would not hear of it and insisted that his vision for succession be upheld. In 838, when he was 13, the young prince underwent Gempuku, the coming-of-age ceremony which marked his readiness to enter adulthood and eligibility for marriage. Crown Prince Tsunisada's performance of the ceremony was positively received, and he was described as moving gracefully and showing good manners. 
The next year, 839, saw the completion of a project which had long plagued Emperor Nimyo. It began in 833 when the emperor announced a new diplomatic mission to Tong, China, and named Fujiwara Tsunesugu as his imperial ambassador, with Ono Takamura as his deputy. Thus began the process of deciding who would accompany this mission and get a rare chance to see the world outside of Japan. By 836, things were looking ready to go. The usual prayers were said and rituals performed to ensure the divine safety of the vessels in question. But the ships soon hit rough, stormy waters and turned back before reaching the mainland. Two years later, Tsunetsugu was ready to try again, but his deputy Ono Takamura claimed that his boss had offended him and refused to join the voyage. The ships hit stormy waters once more, but instead of turning back they headed north to the shores of Silla, which you'll recall was currently in control of the southern half of the Korean peninsula. They chartered Korean ships to complete their journey to China. The chartered ships arrived in China in 839, and among the passengers was a monk named Ennin, whom we will discuss in more detail in the next episode. This voyage would turn out to be the last of the Japanese envoys to China for hundreds of years. Getting back to the intrigue surrounding Crown Prince Tsunesada, it's impossible to be certain about what may have happened otherwise, but the sources give the impression that this Crown Prince would never attain the throne. In 840, his father, the retired Emperor Junna, passed away, a severe blow to the practical enforcement of his claim. Retired Emperor Saga often interfered with Nimyo's court, usually to approve the construction of more lavish grounds for his retirement home, but sometimes on behalf of the crown prince. In 842, however, retired Emperor Saga became so ill that it was widely feared he would die. This left what few supporters crown prince Tsunesada had managed to gather very concerned about his elevation, and by extension their future prospects and appointments. One of the crown prince's supporters was Tachibana Hayanari, a scribe and calligrapher who had traveled to China in 804 on the same diplomatic voyage as Saichou and Kukai. He had been serving as provisional governor of Tajima province, and was well known for his beautiful brushwork calligraphy. While the Tachibana clan was still rebuilding their fortunes, which fell considerably at the end of the Nara period, they were still Kuge and the early Heian period provided many opportunities for their continued advancement. The crown prince's other primary ally was the head of his bodyguards, Tomo Kowamine. Hailing from the clan formerly known as Otomo, who changed their surname because of crown prince Tsunesada's father, Kowamine sensed danger in the air as retired Emperor Saga was nearing death's door, and collaborated with Tachibana Hayanari to protect the crown prince's life. The son of Emperor Junna did not have enough support in Kansai to keep him safe, and the regions of Chugoku, Kyushu, and Shikoku did not have the kind of armed support they were certain would be required. So they planned to go east, to the fertile frontier of the Kanto Plain, where ambitious armed supporters could be summoned to defend Crown Prince Tsunesada's claim in exchange for higher-level government appointments. The Kanto will eventually become one of the most important regions in Japan, 
both for its abundant rice production and the ready supply of hardened warriors. However, the plot to secure the crown prince's claim would never leave the capital. Thinking they might find a faithful co-conspirator, they approached a younger son of retired Emperor Heisei, one Prince Abo, whom they thought would be sympathetic to their cause. This was not an entirely ridiculous calculation on their part. Prince Abo had been implicated in the attempted restoration of retired Emperor Heisei in 809, and at the time was exiled to Dazaifu. He had since been pardoned by Emperor Saga in 824, and had served enthusiastically in a variety of lower offices since. If they believed they could tempt Prince Abo with the promise of higher office, however, they were sorely mistaken. Prince Abo quickly penned a letter to Emperor Saga's ranking consort, Empress Tachibana Kachiko. Tachibana Hayanari was Kachiko's cousin, and it is possible that Prince Abo intended to gracefully allow the Empress to keep this matter discreet within the Tachibana clan, reprimanding her cousin in private so that he would abandon the affair. Whatever the motivation, once Empress Tachibana Kachiko read the message, she relayed it to Fujiwara Yoshifusa, Fuyutsugu's son, who at the time was serving on the Chunagon, or Middle Council. He took the information and reported it immediately to Emperor Nimyo, who was outraged at the audacity of the coup attempt. He gathered the members of the court he trusted, and they formed a plan to cut off this plot at the knees. Have you ever wondered what the band ACDC has to do with the missing town of Doveland, Wisconsin? Or who gets to decide what music plays at the end of the world? Or whether or not the largest unsolved art heist in history was actually a cover for a different crime? Maybe you haven't wondered about these things, but that's okay. On 31, we dive into strange, true, but often lesser known stories and the interesting theories that surround them. From space to sports, lost media to internet lore, 31 has something for everyone. Find 31 on your favorite podcast platform and dive into the why behind the weird with me, Quinn Lovecraft. 31, the why behind the weird. After miserably battling a severe illness for weeks, retired Emperor Saga died at last. Two days after, Nimyo Tenno's plan sprang into action. Tachibana Hayanari and Tomo Kowamine were arrested and beaten with rods. Fujiwara Yoshifusa led the charge in court, accusing other Kuge of supporting the plot and having them arrested and beaten as well. Among those accused were high-ranking members of the Tomo clan, the Tachibana clan, and the Fujiwara clan as well. It is generally believed by historians that many of the accused were not actually part of the plot to put Crown Prince Tsunesada on the throne, and that Fujiwara Yoshifusa was using this plot as an opportunity to rid himself of rivals at court and in his clan. The usual sentences followed mostly demotional transfers to Kyushu, Chugoku, or other distant regions as provincial inspectors. Tachibana Hayanari was sent to Izu, but died in Totomi province in Kanto along the way. Tomo Koamine was assigned to Oki province, a remote archipelago of tiny islands 24 miles north of Chugoku, about 40 kilometers. The whole affair is remembered as the Jowa incident. Crown Prince Tsunesada, to his credit, 
folded immediately. As soon as the arrests began, he immediately sent a letter offering his resignation as the heir to Emperor Nimyo. The Tenno, to my surprise at least, at first refused this request and encouraged Tsunisada to remain in the role. It seems the emperor believed that the crown prince had no direct hand in the affair, which was probably true. A week later, the political winds seemed to shift, and the emperor decreed that the crown prince would be disinherited even though he was innocent of any actual plotting. This was probably just fine with Prince Tsunesada, whose wish was granted at last after years of attempted resignations. It was also just fine for Fujiwara Yoshifusa, who had his own designs on who would inherit the chrysanthemum throne from Emperor Nimyo. The choice was obvious. Prince Michiyasu, the eldest son of the sitting emperor. He was 15 years old, and he was Yoshifusa's nephew through his mother. Yoshifusa almost certainly believed that this would be a Tenno whom he could control. In 850, he would find out. Emperor Nimyo abdicated after becoming terribly ill, and Crown Prince Michiyasu was appointed as the new sovereign, remembered as Emperor Montoku. Two days later, the newly retired emperor died of this illness. Not only was his preferred candidate on the throne, the former emperor was no longer around to undermine future efforts to shore up power within the house of Fujiwara. I have to admit that when I first read about this succession, I immediately wondered whether Nimyo Tenno had actually been poisoned on Yoshifusa's orders. Things just seemed to have worked out a little too well for the minister, who was now serving as Udaijin, Minister of the Right. However, I could not find any evidence that such foul play was suspected at the time, or by later generations. The Imperial House of Yamato during the Heian period seems to have frequently suffered from chronic illness and poor health in general, and it's possible that Emperor Nimyo died at age 41 from totally natural causes which were not well understood at the time. Whatever the circumstances, Emperor Montoku was now the reigning sovereign at age 23, and Yoshifusa was free to continue consolidating power both within the Fujiwara clan and in the court. Yoshifusa's peers at court included members of the Minamoto clan, who had begun serving under Emperor Nimyo, and the Tachibana clan, who were still clinging to what offices they could after the fallout from the Jowa incident. If Fujiwara Yoshifusa believed that his nephew would be a suggestible monarch who would prove easy to manipulate, this belief would soon be smashed. Montoku Tenno had every intention of being an active sovereign and was especially concerned about who would succeed him. Like every Heian monarch, he had accumulated many wives from many clans and produced many children thereof. His eldest son was Prince Koretaka, born from his favorite wife, Ki Shizoku, and the boy was only six years old at the time of Montoku Tenno's coronation. Fujiwara Yoshifusa had other ideas. One of Emperor Montoku's other wives was Fujiwara Akira Keiko, the daughter of Yoshifusa, and she had borne him a daughter and a son. At the time of Emperor Montoku's ascension, this particular son, named Prince Korehito, was only eight months old. The sovereign desperately wanted his oldest son to succeed him, perhaps calculating that the boy would be in his teens or early twenties 
by the time the emperor was ready to retire. There were a few problems, however, with his effort to have six-year-old Koretaka declared the heir. While his mother was the favorite wife of the emperor, her family, the Ki clan, was not especially powerful or well-connected politically. Many Kuge who supported the emperor also feared Yoshifusa, who had already demonstrated his willingness to purge the court of opposition. Even neutral courtiers would probably assert that Emperor Montoku owed his crown to Yoshifusa's swift action during the Jowa incident, which resulted in the removal of Crown Prince Tsunesada from succession. Thus, having nearly every advantage in this situation, Yoshifusa succeeded in arranging for his grandson, the eight-month-old Prince Korehito, to be declared the crown prince. Appointing an infant to the position of crown prince was completely unprecedented at the time, and would spawn future quarrels between different princes over the right of succession in the later Heian period. Dejected and bitter, Emperor Montoku refused to live in the imperial palace, choosing to house himself in part of the palace that Emperor Saga had built outside the capital for his own retirement. As far as I know, he still carried out his ceremonial duties, but the Daijo Daikon was firmly in the grasp of Udaijin Fujiwara Yoshifusa, who carried on with the business of state. Montoku Tenno attempted to gather support during his self-imposed exile, trying to recruit Kuge who were willing to arrange the overturning of Crown Prince Korehito's succession in favor of Prince Koretaka. Minamoto Makoto, the head of the Saga Genji clan, who was serving at the time as Sadaijin, minister of the left, personally intervened before this went too far warning the emperor that his scheming could wind up placing Prince Koretaka's life in grave danger. The emperor saw the wisdom in this and maintained his solitude as a hermit sovereign. Fujiwara Yoshifusa's fortunes continued to rise, and in 856 he was raised to the second highest position and appointed as Daijo Daijin, Chancellor. He was the de facto ruler of the nation at this point, and his authority within the Fujiwara clan was recognized by all four branches without question. Two years later, Emperor Montoku died at 31 after a bout with illness. The official cause of death was a stroke. Or was it murder? Some historians believe that Yoshifusa arranged the sovereign's death, but it was also likely that his years of isolation combined with a vitamin-deficient diet and the famously poor constitution of Heian monarchs were the only real conspirators in his death. I don't think I can rule out assassination entirely, but neither can I say with confidence that his passing was unnatural. With the sovereign's death, the crown prince was elevated as Emperor Sewa. He was nine years old, and the court wasn't about to appoint his mother as regent as they would have done a hundred years before. Emperor Konin's ban on female sovereigns would hold fast, which meant someone else needed to rule in the child's interest until he was old enough to take the reins of government himself. The only challenge now was finding someone close to the boy, someone with vast independent political power, who would be respected by the Kuge. But where could they hope to find such a person? Hopefully I laid the sarcasm on thick enough for you that you realize there was only one option. The Chancellor himself, Fujiwara Yoshifusa. We will discuss his antics as regent in a future episode. 
Next time, however, we will turn our gaze west to the mighty Tong dynasty, whose rule was swiftly and unceremoniously careening toward a bloody end. Until then, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at A History of Japan. Visit the online store, ahistoryofjapan.threadless.com, and find us on the web, ahistoryofjapan.com. Thank <laughs> you.